Okay, now, I'm, again, I'm trying to catch up here. Let's take a look at the Haftorah. This is being sponsored uh, by a friend of our podcast, Michelle Epstein, who is in Germany, I think, with uh, Michael Elman. They sent me a uh, WhatsApp yesterday. I think it's on a Rabbi Lebiansky-type tour. Uh, and Michelle Epstein is sponsoring this for his grandfather's yard site, which is tomorrow grandfather's yard site. And he's right out, very interesting. His grandfather's a Munka, born in Munkach and was a Talmud Mubag Rav Dushinsky in Chust. I don't know if you know what that means. In other words, he's born in Munkach, but he's not a Chassid. Because if he was a Chassid, he'd go to the Shiva Munkach. If he went to Chust, that's, um, Dushinsky was, that's the uh, Oberlanders, you know, the non-Chassidim. And even though the Dushinsky's in it, once they moved to Yerushalayim, has become a Chassidic thing, but that's not what it was once. Um, I remember back at the time that they wanted him to be the chief rabbi of Veda Chareis Yushalayim. That was like, you know, some say he's not a chassid and all that. Uh, but anyway, so he learned in Chust, or Chist, as some call it. I was there a couple years ago on that crazy trip to Eastern Europe. Um, in a shul there, actually. Uh, and made it, he, his, ah, he made it to Chicago in 1938. So that's how he survived. And he bought his Hungarian fervor to all his endeavors. <laughs> right. Well, listen. Dushinsky, I mean, you know, that uh, the Kapatka Patka Rus, that's a uh, subcarpains and Rusini. They're really from over there, including founding the Ari Crown Day School. Wow, I didn't know that. And being part of the group that started Tells in Chicago. For Chicagoans, he is the Rosenblum of the famous Rosenblum's Hebrew bookstore. So you people in Chicago will know what he's talking about. I have to ask my son in law, he's from Chicago. And like many, he left behind the family of children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, several hundred. Wow. Of Shomri Tarmitzah. So that's the best uh, legacy, obviously. So we pay tribute to his uh, memory. And uh, his name is Zev Ben Shmuel Rosenblum. Uh -huh, I see, okay. Zev Ben Shmuel Rosenblum. All right, so Nesham Shamaliyah. We're looking at the second, oh, the Haftar, of course, the second one of the three weeks. So it's a continuation from Yirmiyahu, the second chapter of Jeremiah, which you talked about, obviously, in the past. Um, you know, it works. It's the two chapters of Jeremiah, and then we do Shabbos Chazon. The three weeks, as we all know. So, uh, this is very rhetorical, where Yemiel is blasting the Jewish people, obviously. And uh, I'll tell you the parts that's interesting to me this year. First of all, it's always interesting when he calls out uh, the elite groups as failing. Okay? Um, because, you know, he says over here, uh, that, uh, you know, they all went after Avodah Zorah and, and Narishkeit, Vayibolo, and they weren't grateful to God, and so on and so forth. And I brought you to Eretz Yisrael, and you screwed up. That's quite a statement. I brought you to, 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 to the land of Israel. Carmel. I brought you to a beautiful land. Carmel means fertile. So you can enjoy the fruits. So first of all, not only are you not grateful for bringing the Eretz Yisrael, but you made the Eretz Yisrael tamay. And you turn my nachla, which Kozeret Yisrael is God's nachla, into something that's a toeva. So think about that. Right? That's quite a charge. That's quite a um, attack. Now, how could this happen? And so he blames, he spoke about them past, the, the elites, Hakohanim, and he talks about three elites, A, B, and C. The Kohanim, the Tovsei Torah, and the Roim. The Kohanim are the Kohanim. The Kohanim, Lom Ra, Yashem. The Kohanim did say, where's God? Which means, 
as, this is my understanding. Uh, it's, and, and it's very easy to focus on ritual and forget the God part in the ritual. So the Kohanim uh, ran the temple, as we know, and there's a whole bunch of rituals associated with the temple, obviously. But at the end of the day, the whole base of Migdash is there for Hashem. Uh, but if it's all about the rules and regulations, especially making sure that everybody brings the carbon he's required to bring, and that you do everything exactly where it is, and 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 so on and so forth, then you are focused on Ezim Akoman, but you forget God. And the truth of the matter is, the whole idea is the Hashem idea. So, if that's true, like I just said, then he's trying to explain why it was that the Beis Hamikdash didn't reach its potential, didn't serve as it was supposed to serve, which should be a powerhouse and a bastion for monotheism and Yiddishkeit, as we call today, and it signally failed in that, as we know, because that is the story of the Bible, right? That's the story of Yeshua, Shotim, Shemuel, Malachim, Yeshua, Yemi, Yecheskel, and all the rest of them. The Beis Hamikdash did not pan out. Um, it's a great tragedy, obviously. You don't need me to say that, but. Um, hello, Doverhu. The base of Mish didn't turn out what it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, if you wanted to be a little bit Maimonidean, uh, the Kohanim did not use their position of authority to elevate the religious ideas of the people coming because what is the best way of elevating those ideas in the Das sense, in the philosophical sense. Ayei Hashem. I'll give you an example. Bring the average Jewish farmer long ago. And let's say, for example, he's bringing a chves, a chatos, because he did something wrong, or a shlomim, whatever. So, okay, so he gets the right animal, and so forth and so on. He brings the base of Middush, and here comes the coin. Now the coin, of course, is going to say like this, well, did you check if it's got a mum? And is it a this, and a that, and all the rest of it. And then you did. Now, wait a minute, I'm the farmer, and then we're going to shech the animal and burn part of it on the Mizbech and so on and so forth. And so as far as I'm concerned, I've given God a present, or I've given God something, right? I brought a cow, a, a bull, whatever it was, and I gave it to God. And that's my chatos, let's put it that way. Even if you go on and say that, yeah, I have to have vidoy, I understand, right? And I did this and this wrong, and don't do it again, and so on and so forth. All that is true. But then, it's and you say it's reich nichoach, the God likes the smell. I mean, these are the languages they use in the Tanakh. So what do I do? I walk away by saying, you know, I broke God's rule, but I made up for it by giving him some kind of a carbon or something like that. Or a todo, you know, I was in a bad spot, and I, I, I locked out there from giving God a Thanksgiving offering. If you get too focused on that, then you really don't understand what God is. Because it sounds like somebody up there who likes Karmanis. Right? And really, Lomali wrote, God doesn't need any carbon. Agreed? God doesn't need any carbon. Doesn't eat. Doesn't drink. Doesn't smell. And so the Kohanim didn't say, Ayei Hashem. Let's put it this way. Let's say I was the Kohen. I am a Kohen. And let's say I was in this type of Maimonidean Kohen. And a guy comes to me, and he brings a face of carbon chattas. I'm just making it up. And we do all the rituals, and it's all done. And then I ask the guy, he says, where's God, by the way? Ayei Hashem. 
He's on, he's up there, you know. The carbon went up like the Jack of the Beanstalk, up to Shemayim, and he ate it up there. And I said, well, actually, it's not the case. What do you mean it's not the case? We just brought a carbon. God said to do it. He eats it. I did my part. I ate the rest of it, you know, depending, Ola, Chata, Shlom, whatever it is. And let's move on. And the Kohen said, like, look here, buddy. God is not physical. What do you mean God's not physical? Doesn't he live all the way upstairs in the top of the skies? No. Uh, so why do you tell him to bring a carbon? Very good question. So let's talk about that. Let's say, Aye Hashem, where is God located? Actually, God's not located anywhere. God is everywhere. God's not even everywhere because he created space. You have to understand God is something that's completely not physical. But on the other hand, even not physical doesn't work because God created everything different. There's nothing you can say about it. You get what I'm saying? No, you begin a conversation, which is a very intelligent conversation, and can actually lead to an elevated idea of spirituality, which is, after all, the goal of every, um, should be the goal of every uh, sincere and thinking Torah Jew. So this guy, who was a farmer, should have emerged from this encounter with the Beis Amigdash, not simply with a sense that I fulfilled my, you know, duty, like a person says, I went to Mincha today with a minion, you know, I fulfilled my duty by bringing the requisite carbon, or my wife had a baby, and therefore we brought the right carbon and all the rest of it, but I actually had a religious moment. Let me put better than that. I had a religious a moment of religious enlightenment, right? Where I, for the first time, thought about and focused on things that ordinarily I wouldn't have time to focus on. Because when I go home, I'm a farmer. You know, that's a job from sunrise to sunup. And, uh, you know, to sundown. And it, it takes a lot of time. And, you know, you usually don't focus on these sorts of things. But the base amygdala is supposed to be the type of place where you're going to focus on this. Where else? Where else? For the average Jew. Where else? When you go to base amygdala, all the Kohanim should be people who say, Aye Hashem. And then you say, well, he's over here. No, he's not there. And like the Hasidic thing, I am Secha, am Secha. We start talking about the fact that, you know, don't think of God in these physical terms, and so on and so forth. It could, I think, we'll never know, you know, you can't go back in time. I think this was a problem in the Bayesian period. As it is perhaps today, which is a lot of people don't have these understandings of the word God, and therefore it's easy for them to mess over and screw up in different ways, theologically and otherwise, and that could have led to a lot of problems. It's not the only reason. And he goes on to say, This is in Pasuk, uh, hey, I guess. So first of all, the Kohanim didn't use their office to be, to uh, advance, I'll call it my Manadean ideas. You know what I mean? In other words, the, the, at least get rid of the false ideas about Hashem. After all, you're talking about the base of Migdash now. And Tosei and the Rosh Hashivas were no good. Or well, the language, Tosei Atar means the Rosh Hashivas. Says the Lo Yudauni, they did not know me. Um, it could also, I think, Yudauni could possibly mean um, causative, that they did not make me known. I think Yudauni can mean that also. I don't have a Mitzvah in front of me, but I believe that's the case. Uh, but again, it's the same thing. A person can go and learn and learn and learn and learn and learn, and then where's God in all this? You understand? Know, where's where, where that? You say, well, naturally. I mean, you know, we're learning God's Torah. So what's it talking about? Yeah, I get that. I do. But you understand what I'm saying also. Said, but you're always focusing on the teaching and not the teacher, as it were. The grand teacher. And uh, it's very interesting because he's explaining why it is. The Hamunam never, they, they went down. They didn't go up. 
He said, because the leaders, the, 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 the elites who should be the ones who are leading them, the Kohanim, the Tov, say, and the others, uh, didn't, didn't, didn't do well. Okay? Did not do well. Um, but a rowing post should be. And the shepherds rebelled against me. The shepherds, it's hard to know what it means. Usually, they this is understood to mean the, the kings and the princes and that sort of thing. Right? So all three of these are elite groups who should express their eliteness by leading the people in the right there. Should have been like a David Amalek type guy. But they weren't. Okay? And for the prophets, that's actually a fourth group, they switched and became priests of Baal. So this is the uh, not pretty picture that he paints over here. In my mind, it's a very, very interesting pasuk. Hold on for a second. Yeah, here it is. It's interesting. The, the um, Mitsudas David says, Tosator lo lo yuduni lo rotsu ladas ulahakir godel roma musi. Hear that? Lo rotsu ladas ulahakir godel musi. They weren't interested in understanding godel roma musi, the greatness of my exalt uh, of ex, um, exaltation, which means uh, what Hashem is, what God is. Uh, instead, they're focusing on you know. The lambda, so to speak, and not the person who's the malamed, I suppose. And uh, that's just very interesting because, in other words, yes, you're supposed to learn and teach, and we do teach texts. There's no question about that. But you, you know, that's a derech to get to Hashem. You understand? Um, if you're litvish, that's the derech to get to Hashem. If you're not, there are other drachos. But it should be a, the point is to get to Hashem, uh, to get some kind of relationship. Not simply, you know, you know the text for itself. And he's uh, blaming Tosa Torah Liyuduni. It's a very nice and interesting chidon, uh, this, but it's too long to go into, where he makes the case Tosia Torah means people that. Pe- I- I'll, I'll put it in simple English. Suppose people hold your Talmud Chacham. Let's just say, for example, and you know you're not, which is probably the case with most people. You know, people think you're a Talmud Chacham. Uh, but you're not. In other words, you know your own chesronas. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If people hold you to be a Tom Chacham, then you have to um, conduct yourself with those high standards. And you can't say to yourself, I don't have to do that because the truth of the matter is whatever they think of me, but it's not really true. I know where, I know where I'm holding, <laughs> you know. Uh, no, it doesn't work that way, he says. He says, even if you're you're not, if it's a Tosiat or people are talking to you, Dear Baal Torah, um, you still have to go and and uh, conduct yourself as if you were a super person, you know, to be beyond the shadow of uh, of doing anything unworthy and things of that nature. It's a it's a very interesting kind of mahala, very interesting kind of way of looking at it. Okay, now here's the thing. He goes on to say something that's very very interesting to me, and that's as follows: uh, these, you know, it's uh, it's all famous stuff. I mean, you know. It's not like we running across this the first first time. He says, This never happened to Goyim, they don't treat me so bad as you do, etc. 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 But then he says, Shtayim Rosas on me. The Jewish people have done two bad things to me. In other words, I have two complaints against them, God says. A and B. A goes like this. Osi Ozru Makarmaim Chaim. They left me, Hashem, which is the Makar Maim Chaim, the source of living waters. Now comes B. Lachsa Lamboris. Uh, the other part is that they went after false wells that don't have any water. Okay? So that's a nice way, rhetorically, of saying like this. First of all, they don't follow the Torah. Second of all, 
they went after other idols. That's a very interesting idea over here because he makes a point of saying Shtayim rose on me. They have two complaints against Klai Yisrael Hashem says. And I'll tell you where I'm going with this. Basically involves the following. Um, now, no sin is good. I, I get that. But he says the following. There are two problems, A and B. A is they're not, they're not observing anymore. They don't keep the mitzvahs. That's one thing. Number two, they converted to another religion. Think about it today. Throughout Jewish history, particularly today. So you have two types of, I guess called non-from-Jews out there. A and B, but one's worse than the other. One is, One is the type of Jew, for whatever reason, they're not. They don't believe anymore. They're not observant. They dropped out. I don't want to use the chilonim exactly, but you know they're part of that. That's the Jew today who's uh, alienated from Judaism. Let's say, which is a rove. That's enough of a problem. But it's worse if somebody goes and converts to another religion. Do you pick another god? Right. Now it's kind of funny. Because on the one hand, from a humanistic point of view, the person that cannot find any passion in Judaism and instead becomes a Roman Catholic, there have been some people like that, for example. Some names come to mind. And in Roman Catholicism, they got very heavy, deep into it. So you'll say, well, you see, the person has a certain idealism. Unfortunately, it didn't work itself out in terms of Yiddishkeit. But the innate idealism within the person did work itself out in another religion, in this case Catholic, or Muslim or whatever. But Yermio is saying, no, it's actually worse. Because if it's just that they did one thing, that's bad enough. But if you do two, it's super bad. Osiyoz Makor Chayim would be the person today who simply is not from. Um, it's a shame. They're Oziv is not drawing from living waters. It's a very interesting parallel, uh, um, a very interesting muscle, I mean. Are you drawing from living waters? If I'm thirsty and I go to a spring which has fresh water, that's great, I can live with that. Meaning, I can live by getting the water from there because it's pure water. Makor Chayim. However, if I go to another well, so what is it called? Boris Nishbarm or something like that, then it's not a good well. The, the, the waters are actually not going to supply me anything. And I'll die. Okay? So, uh, they're going to spend all their time digging other wells, and they'll find in the end that there's no water there. That's such an interesting kind of... Uh, description of a process uh, so many Jews today for example uh, for one reason or another are turned off to uh, traditional Yiddishkeit and therefore they're saying like this they say you know I'm not interested in uh, the Bor Mayim Chaim it, it, it doesn't strike me as a Bor Mayim Chaim and a Makor Mayim Chaim and it, it has no attraction for me whatsoever I'm going to go and try to dig another well. Um, I don't like this well. 
Now, I can tell him right now, me, if you're going to try some other well, you're going to see in the long run it's not going to work out because there's only one there's only one well that, that has living water. It's not going to work out. Obviously, he's not going to believe me. And therefore, he's going to throw himself or herself into whatever type of movement or cause or ideology that they think will, uh, you know, um, pan out. And it won't. So, for example, in the 20th century, how many Jews, I mean, a lot of them, how many Jews, uh, what do you call it, uh, went for um, communism? A lot. What's the shot? They were from families that originally were religious, of course. But somehow or other along the way, they no longer ceased. They no longer regarded the old way of doing Judaism as a Makar Kaim Kaim. They were wrong, but that's what happened. They no longer regarded it as anything like that. And so what was the result? The people I'm talking about had a certain idealism, let's say, or perhaps a need to believe in something. Since they weren't going to believe in the Makar Maim Chaim, so they went and they spent their lives, you know this, they spent their lives working hard and a great self-sacrifice sometimes, with tremendous mysterious nefesh sometimes, in building, in, in digging other wells. Okay? Boris uh, Nishmarim, Laksel and Boris Nishmarim. They went to dig other wells. Now, in the end, lo yachilamayim. In the end, the other wells didn't have any water. But there is no way that you could persuade them, except by waiting the whole thing through and seeing the final verdict of history, like the Germans say, Geschichte is great, that the final history is the final judge. In other words, if we said today communism is a failure, you say, how do you know that? I said, look at the 20th century. It's hard to, um, it's hard to disagree with that. You know what I mean? No, look how it panned out. It's hard, it's hard to disagree with that. So, sadly, the way these things are, you gotta let it go through to see at the end it didn't work. We, we are kind of living in such times. Uh, there are many other movements within Judaism, different religious denominations, different Jewish ideologies, all the rest of it. At the level of debate, you could argue reform, conservative, reconstruction, this, that, socialist, you know, you can make the case. And believe me, famous Jewish intellectuals and rabbis and types of made the case. And depending how good of an arguer you are, you can make a good case. Because that's just a question of having the right lawyer, you know. If you're trying to get through truth, get the truth through argument, it's not so great usually because it's just a question of how good of an arguer are you. You understand? How good of an arguer are you? Uh, you and I disagree over something. We argue this, that, and the other. You argued better than me. Therefore, you say, see, I'm right because I won the argument. Well, I go home and say, I'm going to get my big brother who's a better arguer. He's going to come and he's going to slug you up because he's a lawyer or something. And now the truth will be on my side. And then you'll get somebody bigger and then the truth will be on your side. So it'll be like a, a, a ping pong game. And that's not what you mean by truth. You, you see what I'm saying? So when it comes to that level, if somebody's going to dig other wells, you're going to simply have to um, let him dig it or her dig it. And see in the end, that's Shiloh Yechilamayim. So the Marshall is a very interesting one. 
there are two people like in a desert or something like that. And here's a, a, a well that has water, but the other guy doesn't like it. So he goes and spends all of his day digging, digging the other one. It turns out in the end it's not true. So, Balkarcha, Shlobotavoso, I have no choice. I say, all right, darn it, I guess your your way was the only way to head the living waters. This is uh, how um, Yermio is operating in in this Haftorah. Uh, now, obviously, as eloquent as this is, it was not effective. Uh, you know and I know the book of Jeremiah is a very sad book because he's like a Cassandra, always warning everybody, but they don't listen to him. I don't have to tell you that uh, in the end, the whole thing got destroyed, the Tish above. Uh, all of his warnings were for nothing. The only thing is he recorded it, they recorded it, said they should have, you know, uh, a record that, that the, the Jews were warned before it happened. But that's a small solace to the people that, that, that suffer through this whole idea. But... Uh, it is interesting that uh, let's put it this way: those who are who do just not two bad things, but one bad thing. This is just my opinion. Those who do one bad thing and not two bad things, the Hainu that they are. Um, where is it over here? What's the pasuk? Shtayim rose also me. Osi also mekar mayim chayim, and the second one is lachs of lambaris nishbarim. The people who just were but they didn't go and seek for other wells, those, I think, are your Baal Chuba types. That's what I think. Those, that's uh, that's often, I mean, not always, obviously, obviously not. But that's the type of person who hasn't started looking for other wells, just wasn't into this well, will be attracted to this well. I think those are the people who will have an easier time finding themselves finding their way back to Yiddishkeit. Kachner Ali, you know, I'm not a professional or anything like that, but that's you know been my observation. Uh, in which case, the uh, Mashal of Yirmiyot, even though written 3,000 years ago, or 2,500 years ago, whatever it is, uh, still has application today. Um, those two psukim strike me as the most important and, and interesting ones in this week's uh, Haftorah. Anyways, just a few thoughts. I want to thank once again Mashalom Epstein. And this is again for his uh, the uh, yard sale of his uh, grandfather, uh, Zeb ben Shmuel Rosenblum, and Shem Shavaliyah. And with that, I bid you a good week.